Welcome back to another episode of the Pay Talks podcast. In this episode, we go all the way to the UK to speak to one of the biggest soccer slash football fans in the world. He supports Arsenal Football Club in the English Premier League. He's the creator of the biggest fan channel in the world, Arsenal Fan TV. His name is Robbie Lyle. Robbie and myself discuss his life. We chat about his last 12 months, which has seen him had a battle with COVID-19. We also chat about how he went from playing rugby, cricket, soccer, and everything else in between, to then working as a surveyor, and then hosting the biggest sports channel in the world. We also chat about how he was a producer in music, and we chat about the interesting characters that are on Arsenal Fan TV, such as DT, Lyle, and Troops. So, let's get into the podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Pay Talks podcast. Today, I'm speaking to one of the biggest Arsenal supporters around the world and one of the well-known Arsenal supporters in Robbie Lyle. Robbie, welcome to the podcast. No problem. Good to be here. How are you doing? Very good, mate. Very good. Um, Robbie, what's your nickname? My nickname? Um, you know what? Back in the day, people used to nickname me Crucial, <laughs> right? Because um, I used to be involved in like reggae music. So um, at that time, they, my sort of name was Crucial Robbie. So people used to nickname me Crucial. You know what I mean? So, um, but... Now it's just Robbie. I mean, everyone's just um, or Don Robbie. A Don, lot of people yes. Like to call me now, you know what I mean? So that's that's one that's emerged over the over the past few years. You know what I mean? And it's kind of stuck. Don Robbie. And where did the Don come from? Did anyone, who who named you that? Or was that just the fans? You know what? It just emerged. You know what I mean? I, I was there was people just. I just kept seeing like everybody just saying, "Yeah, Don Robbie this, Don Robbie that." <laughs> I'm like, "We'll see. Where's this come from? Where's this Don Robbie stuff come from?" You know what I mean? But um, it just stuck. What we've done is kind of a bit of an original thing to this space. Um, so it's like, "Yeah, you're the Don of doing that sort of thing." I think I guess that's how it sort of <laughs> come about, you know. Um, but it's kind of stuck over the years. That's that's pretty cool. And um, what's your favourite food? I'm a favourite food. Um, I guess, you know, my parents are Jamaican and, uh, I grew, you know, obviously I grew up eating a lot of Jamaican food. So I guess Jamaican food, you know, things like curry goat, rice and peas, um, that's probably my favourite, my most favourite food. When that's done well, I absolutely love that, you know what I mean? But I, I, I like to eat all foods, really, you know what I mean? I like a variety of foods, but um, that's probably my favourite yeah, lovely, mate, lovely. I've never really had Jamaican food. That's something I would uh, really want to uh, taste, mate. It's don't know what you're Australia... missing, mate. You don't know what you're missing. Yeah, I know. Unfortunately, oh, Australia just doesn't have the Jamaican uh, flavor like you guys over in the UK. A lot of uh, Jamaican Jamaicans uh, came to England, you know what I mean, in the 50s and the 60s. So um, there's, a, there's a heavy Jamaican influence um, in England. You know, you can see it through food. You can see it through music. So, yeah, so there's a heavy Jamaican influence um, up here. But, yeah, you don't know what you're missing, man. You've got to get, get some of that Jamaican food. Yes, I do. I do. <laughs> <laughs> um, Robbie, what was your first job before everything else? My first ever job, my first ever job, I worked in, in the civil service. So when I, when, I left, um, when I left college, I remember my mum was like saying to me, yeah, yeah, you should try and go to university, you know, but I didn't really fancy university. I was like, no, nah, man, I'm, I, I want to work. <laughs> I'll turn somebody, <laughs> right? So um, the first job I got was like uh, working for what they call a DSS up here. So, and uh, yeah, I was working in London um, for the civil service. That was sort of, sort of my first job, sort of a desk job in a way. Yeah, yeah. Any interesting experiences from doing that desk job or was it all pretty quiet? I remember there was a guy one time who came in. He put a crash helmet on and ran at this because we used to have like used to have a, have to have like a screen in there because you did get people, you know, getting a bit mad. And um, this guy came in, he put a crash helmet on and just ran straight at the screen and headbutted it. And that's called a or called ambulance because he nearly broke his neck. <laughs> but yeah, there was some weird things that used to go on there. But yeah, it was a, it was an experience working there. I worked there for about three four years. So, Rob, what's it been like for the 12 months in the UK um, and yourself? You can't go to the football with no crowds and everything, and we're now seeing that it's freedom over there. What's it been like? It was um, it was really tough, you know. I mean, 
this COVID thing has hit over here really hard. I've, I think um, of all the places in the world that's had COVID, we, we've been one of the worst hit places. You know what I mean? A lot of people have died. Um, as you know, yeah, we've had various lockdowns over here. We, we had like a lockdown, then it eased up, then we locked down again. I think it's about three times we've been in like, like hardcore lockdowns, you know? So it's been really difficult. You know, especially like for 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 me as a person who's you know I'm running a business where you know we go to football games and all of a sudden um, there was no football, especially at the start of it, there was no football games to go to. You know, um, they stopped all. I think the worst time for us is when they stopped all football full stop for I think it's I can't remember how long it was for. It, was like, it seemed like a couple of months, mm. and you know basically started to run out of things to talk about you know what I mean because football is what we do um, but once the football sort of came back behind closed doors we just sort of came up with a different way of doing what we did so instead of uh, watch the games we created like a socially distant space where we could watch the game together we were about four or five fans and we started doing that and that proved really really popular um, and that's how we got through the lockdown. I mean, I, I, I guess I feel that, um, you know, and I've spoken to some of the guys about it, they're like, it really helped them because at least they were able to get out of the house and go and watch a game together, you know. But it's been hard. I mean, you know, I, I had COVID myself um, last Christmas. I had it. I remember Christmas Day, I was in bed with COVID. You know? <laughs> right? So it's not a nice thing. So it has been a tough. It has been a tough period, you know. And hopefully, we come out come out at the end of it um, in a better shape. But it's been a really tough time. Really, really tough. Even you're watching games, there's no fans, and it's just great to sort of be back in games again now. Seeing fans back, that has been that has been great to see. You know, you see, you see, even by watching games, it's a totally different game um, to when we were to what we were watching last year when there were no fans there. It's been a bit of a different scenario here in Australia, Rob. Um, uh, you know, in Australia, we're in a lockdown at the moment in Melbourne, and um, the the reason, yeah, and it's been huge. So the, the the situation is changing every day in Australia because we have our premiers who think we have to lock down every time we've got one case. Very different to how you guys are, which is just we're going to vaccinate as many people as possible and. Um, it's a very, you know, it's a very different situation. Like the, as you say, it's great to see crowds. I was been to a few local footy Australian rules games, and um, to see crowds there, it's just great to see because it's just the atmosphere that we want to want to uh, be yeah. a part of. Yeah, no, it's 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 amazing to just see people um, and meet people and see crowds because I was beginning to think that I'd never be in a crowd again. You know, I mean, the way things are going, you know. Um, so you know, it's it's been a very tough time. You know, what I mean, and you've seen, you know, I've, I've met a lot of fans um, even since we sort of gone back to football who've come up to me and said, you know what, um, watching your stuff really helped me get me through the lockdown and helped with my mental health and stuff like that. So that's been really pleasing to hear those sort of things. We're going to something a bit more happier now, mate. Um, give me a snapshot of your childhood, the young Robbie. The young Robbie, I've got three brothers, you know, grew up in a very, very sporting household in that, you know, we all love sports. Um, my dad was a real guy that like, that's all he did on TV was watch Sport, you know, I mean, football, cricket in particular. He that was his favourite. You know, he loved cricket. He loved West Indies cricket. Um, and we were just a sports mad household. We just used to. I always say to my kids, I go, I was always outside, playing football, playing cricket, playing rugby, playing any sport, boxing. I used to do. You know, what I mean, so um, it's uh, it's. Um, yeah, grew up in a real sporting household. Um, as I said to Jamaican parents. They were quite strict, but very fair. Um, and then as I got older, I started to really get into music. Um, my brother had a, what they call a, a reggae sound system um, that became very, very popular. Um, first of all, locally and then all over the country. And then I um, started making music. I, I made a tune called um, Proud To Be Black that went to number one in the UK reggae charts. And that became very good for me. And, and from that, I started touring around the UK and Europe did America and Jamaica a couple of times performing in my younger sort of my, in my younger years that was my thing you know I, I, I my music was my life I mean I was always into my football from a very young age I started going to uh, watch Arsenal 
had a season ticket at Highbury. So I, those were like my two loves. My two loves were Arsenal music, you know. And uh, in the early days, sometimes I never used to get to go to, even though I had a season ticket, I never used to get to go to as many games as I liked all the time because, you know, I didn't have to be touring and going to, 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 to various different places with the music. Um, but as the music started to ease off, you know, and sort of died down and then I kind of got back into just working full time and things like that. Then I started going back to games a lot more. And uh, yeah, and just, you know, that, that was my childhood. My childhood was good. It's come from a very working class family. And yeah, I enjoyed my childhood. It was really good. Yeah, and did you play um, um, football yourself, Robbie, for a club, or did you? Uh, was it just to kick around the street? I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. You know, what I mean, I tried. Listen, I wasn't very good at football. That was a really annoying thing for me because, um, as I said, I played various sports. I was very good at cricket. I was to open the batting in cricket and stuff like that. Played for clubs, very good. I played rugby. I was very good at rugby. I played for my county team, everything like that. But in football which is the one that I really wanted to excel at. I was just like very average at football. I don't know what it was. I don't know. I was just very average at football. I, thought, I wish I played. Now, I, th- I think now when I look back at it, I was like, if I had to sort of, uh, I would have adapted my game better. I think I might have been a bit better. We would never have made it at a certain level, but I played football, but I was just not of the level. I always say that to my son because my son now plays football a lot and he's very, very, very good. And, um, I'm like, I wish I was as you when he was a kid, you know what I mean? But yeah, no. Um, football, I played, but I wasn't great, if I'm being honest. All good. Oh, myself, um, <laughs> I can kind of play a bit of cricket, and the Aussie rules, um, for me, he's not great, but I'm better at the football in my own right. So I'm yeah, a little bit better on oh, that side. Um, so I was going to say, did you have any big sporting idols growing up when you're supporting Arsenal? Were there anyone that you went, this is my type of people that I followed? Yeah, well, I mean, Ian Wright. First and foremost was like the, the the footballer that I absolutely adored when I was growing up. You know, I, mean, I could really relate to him. You know, um, he from South London. You know, what I mean the swag and everything that he had. You know, was just like how we were on. You know, as youngsters. So I could relate to Ian Wright. I mean, I looked at him playing on that pitch, and I was like, yeah, I, that, that's that's one of our guys. You know, what I mean. Mm. Um, so Ian Wright was my was you know the, the player that I really really loved um, it's like Paul Davis as well um, he was, he, he was um, a captain of um, Arsenal at one time and yeah and then you know as, as time went on you know Thierry Henry Dennis Burkamp but Ian Wright first and foremost was you know my real footballing idol on the pitch I used to love um, and in other sports I guess people like Muhammad Ali was always my idol you know I just loved how how he did you know his swag how good he was the fact that you know he was his own man you know and he stood up for things and you know he's like my all time favourite um, sportsman Muhammad Ali I don't think there's ever been a sportsman like him since but um, in football terms you know probably you know and and as for me, an Arsenal legend and a, and a guy that I'm, um, you know, lucky enough to, you know, meet and become very friendly with, you know, it's been a dream because he was growing up, Ian Wright was like, he was an absolute idol. Yeah. And, and what was it like meeting Ian Wright for the first time, Robbie? It would have been a bit of a nerve wracking experience. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was amazing. You know, when I met him, it was, you know what, it wasn't. You know, you meet people and you're wondering yeah. what they're going to be like in um, in real life sort of thing. And he was actually better than I even imagined. You know what I mean? The guy is so cool. You know, um, he's a diehard Arsenal fan, you know, because you do get football footballers that play for your club that they're not really fans. You know what I mean? They played. They did a job. They played for the club. But it's different in the case of Ian Wright. Yeah. He absolutely loves Arsenal just as much as any fan. And um, he, he lives it, you know. So meeting him and then, you know, um, him telling me how much he appreciates the, the, the stuff that I do and, you know, the, the, the constant encouragement that he's always giving me, you know what I mean, has been really, really good. Um, and he's a really, really good guy. Um, and it's but yeah, it's been amazing meeting Ian Wright and doing various things with him over the years. Yeah, as we'll get to the Arsenal situation, Robbie. But yes, Ian Wright, one of the legends <laughs> in, in world football, especially in Arsenal. Um, just oh. on you know Arsenal fans and that. Do most of them come from North London or is it all over the UK? Nah, just the, the fans are from all over the UK. Um, 
you know, I think Arsenal's a huge football club. So, you know, I think the days, I think back in the day, a lot of football clubs would, you know, their, their, their fans would come very local, from a very local. I think with Arsenal, it's always, the fans have always come from London. I, I, I would never pinpoint Arsenal and just say it was just from North London. Yeah. Right, because you know, Arsenal always had a massive following in South London, East London, everywhere. So, I'd say probably initially the the majority of Arsenal's fan base was from London. But I'd say now, you know, especially travelling around and going everywhere with Arsenal, the fan base is like the whole of the UK. I was up in uh, Manchester at the weekend, mm-hmm. and you know, there's a uh, Manchester supporters. Arsenal Manchester supporters group you know so there's fans that are, and there's lots of fans you'll meet uh, you know when you go to various different places like when I was in Birmingham for the uh, Arsenal West Brom game there's lots of local Birmingham fans you know Birmingham people who support Arsenal so it's a it's, it's a countrywide and worldwide club um and uh, yeah, and obviously in North London, um, there's a massive support for Arsenal. Lots of Tottenham fans and Arsenal fans in North London, but the majority of them are Arsenal. So um, yeah, it's, it's but it's, it's a it's a countrywide support that Arsenal has. That's something that's interesting because in Australia, Robbie, um, the AFL, it's very similar. As in with with clubs, they they're from um, from the you know the actual suburb. For example, I go for Richmond, which is behind me there. You know they they um, they're from the suburb of Richmond, but I live in about half an hour away from Richmond. So it's a, it's a very you know same very same different you know, dynamic in in that way. So very yeah. similar. And I think football, yeah, football has changed so much in. The, the 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 country's changed so much now that you know um, there's a lot of people who lived in London who live outside London now you know so you know because you know you can live outside London and get into central London and to your job quicker I live just outside London now and I can get to my place quicker than when I lived in London you know I mean? <laughs> which is ridiculous right but yeah. because of the amount of traffic so you know so there's so many people as well that lived in London that have moved out to various different places that, you know, the, the guy that I sit next to um, at Arsenal, I think he lives in Coventry. Yeah. Which is, you know, that's that's quite, uh, that's a little distance away from um, London. But I think he takes a train in and I think he says to me he does it in about an hour. So, mm-hmm. you know, so it's pe- people travel travel from all over the country to go and watch, not, not just Arsenal, but I think you'll find that for the majority of teams um, especially the big ones, you know, Man United, Arsenal, Liverpool, you know, Tottenham, you know, the people travel from all over to watch their, their team. So I was going to say, Rob, so you started off working at the BBC, as you were saying, with your reggae and that. How did that come about being a host on, on the, the BBC? That was through, um, that was through performing. And as I sort of started to perform less and less, um, I'd done like, uh, being guest on, um, a BBC reggae show a couple of times and then they asked me if I wanted to host it and I was like yeah I'd love to do that and I, I started hosting um, a reggae show presenting a reggae show on there where I used to play music and everything and it, yeah it was brilliant it was really really good I did that for quite a while I really enjoyed it was, it was like a part time thing it wasn't full time but mm. I really enjoyed um, doing that and you know and I used to interview a lot of uh, big reggae artists and um, I guess you know what that really helped me with my sort of um interviewing skills because you know I learned how to interview um, people reggae artists and, and some of them can be very difficult you know it's like when it comes to music yeah. um, you know music guys you know they're not the easiest sometimes people to interview but I, I, I never found it difficult because I, I was my style was always just be natural be natural be fun and try and just ask the right questions at the right times, you know what I mean? So I, I kind of learned that skill in doing that. That's kind of set me in good stead now that I, I do what I do now. But yeah, no, I did that for a while. I, was, I enjoyed doing that. It was really good. You then go on and motivate. Uh, what what motivated you to establish um, Arsenal Fan TV, or as it's now known as AFTV? How did that Yeah, okay. well, just, just, you know, I was... Um, as, as I said right from the beginning I've been a massive Arsenal fan all my life and just in going to games you know I I always used to think you know you don't hear the fans opinions enough you know you you, you know you, you hear everybody else's opinion 
on a game, but you don't hear the fans' opinions. And I, I just, just realised that, you know, the fans sometimes, their opinions are a lot different to the pundits and to the, and to the so-called experts. So I wanted to give those guys a chance to have their say on camera. Um, because I guess you had like phone-ins and things like that. Yeah. But you never had like a dedicated thing on camera where an Arsenal fan could have his say. So that was basically, it was a very simple idea. It was just like, give them a chance to have their say. I kind of based it off of um, a friend of mine who was doing um, a channel to do boxing called IFL TV. A guy called Coogan is also a massive Arsenal fan. And yeah, and I just, just started it off. We just, me and a friend linked up got a camera mic went down to the Emirates and just started interviewing fans and it just started from there really um, I was working full time at the time in um, doing a job I was working as a surveyor then a building surveyor um, so it was really tough for the first three three and a half years because I was working full time at the same time and going to every single game you know and sometimes there was a lot of late nights in there very late nights you know um, but yeah it was all good and um, yeah it's, it's just grown and grown and grown over the years yeah and what was it like your first do you remember that first time you did the uh, interviews with, with, with the fans yeah I remember because the, the first game we did <coughs> excuse me was uh, we played, it was uh, Tottenham we been in North London Derby I picked that game deliberately because I thought to myself there will be crowds, you know, I mean, there will be talking points in that game. And I remember we did that game, we won the game um, and uh, interviewing fans afterwards. And I remember getting, there's a lot of people like, you know, who the hell are you lot and stuff <laughs> like that, you know, what I mean? you know, because we were new. So, um, but we managed to interview, you know, probably about, I think about 10 people that day. And the interviews went down well. You know, obviously we won the game, so that was great, but the interviews went down well. People liked it. I mean, obviously it was a very tiny platform at that time. We were literally just starting from zero, but people were still sharing the videos and were saying, oh, look at this interview, and, you know, oh, this guy's opinion was similar to what I felt, and it was just very encouraging to see all the comments and that. And my intention at first was to do all the home games, Hmm. But the minute that I saw the sort of response from the first game, you know what I mean, um, I said, oh, let's try and do an away game the following week. We went and done that game, and that went down really, really well as well. Um, and then from then on, I just said um, to my uh, partner, I said, listen, we're going to have to do every single game. And he was like, how are we going to do that? You know, we both work full time. It's very, you know, the money for tickets, the money for travel, the money, you know, because you can't really, when you're doing what we do, you can't really go up on a coach or a train to a game. You have to drive. You have to drive up there because you're, when the game's finished, you know, you could be there for hours still, you know, uploading videos and um, doing the various things. And I said to my guy, well, we're going to have to do it. It's the only, you know, I mean, if we're going to do this, we're going to have to be consistent with what we've done. And I think, it's that been that consistency from day one that has really made us um, as good as we've been. And what's been the favourite moment on the channel, Robbie? There's been some uh, interesting moments. What's one of your favourite? It's hard to pick a favourite moment. I mean, there's been so many. I can't. I, I honestly can't pick one. I mean, there's been. I've met like people like Thierry Henry interviewing him. That was fantastic. Um, Ian Wright, as I said. I mean. But then you can, there's been moments like when we, you know, we've won things like FA Cups and things like that and being around fans and interviewing fans and they're so happy and buzzing, you know, it's been so many great moments. So it's really hard to pick um, one in isolation because, you know, we just do so many games, you know, traveling around the world I've, I've really enjoyed. I remember when we came to Australia um, and we did, we did Sydney and that was amazing, you know. So, you know, just with so many so many great moments it's just really hard to pick one that sounds really cool and um what's been the biggest challenge running a fan channel it's 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 very you know challenging in terms of what your content and what that is how what's the challenges yeah um it's a, yeah there's many challenges i mean first of all there's uh, the challenge of um being consistent so i think really in the, in the early days in particular when you know um just funding everything out of my own pocket and you know and then having to work at the same time full time and still get to every game and that that was very challenging you know sometimes i had no money <laughs> all right mm. and you still got to get to a game you know <laughs> excuse me so um that was a uh, very very challenging 
I guess now, you know, now that we've got bigger, you know, um, the challenge is to to keep that level of consistency, to, you know, keep everybody, you know, because now we employ more people. So to to always stay focused and always stay hungry, to deal with uh, criticism, you know, because the bigger you get, you become a target. You get people who just want to hate on you for, you know, you haven't, you're trying to provide a, a great service around what you're doing. And because you're so big, you, I mean, I mean, I mean it'll be almost like sometimes what I've found is that, um, and it's been really challenging because Arsenal have not been doing well over the past, you know, well, for quite a while now. It's mm. been, almost we've been seeing a club that's been a bit in a decline. You know, you have people like accusing you and saying, oh, well, you're benefiting out of the demise of Arsenal. And, you know, it's really hurtful when you hear stuff like that because, you know, I'm an Arsenal fan. I want Arsenal to win every single game. I want this club to be successful. But then on the other hand, um, our job is to give fans a chance to have their say. And if it's going badly, fans are going to reflect that. And there's nothing I can do about it. You know what I mean? And... You know, it was really funny. I was at the game at the weekend and there was a guy who said to me, he goes, oh, he goes, I want you to be positive about today. He goes, this is what he said to me at the start of the game. He goes, no moaning from you today. Be positive. I said, I said, bro, I'm not a moaner. I'm, a, I'm probably one of the most positive guys you'll find. But I go, we just, you know, we do allow people to say, have their opinions. And by the end of that game, that guy was slacking off every player. He was having a go at everything. He was saying he's done with his club. And I turned around to him and I said, weren't you the person telling me to be positive? He goes, no, nah. he goes, this might get you now. I understand it. So, you know what I mean? So I think what it is sometimes, it's almost you get some people, they're looking for a scapegoat sometimes. So, you know, the team's had a bad loss. They can't have a go at the manager. They can't have a go at a team. You, I've seen it. They, mm. they, they look for someone to just blame or, oh, AFTV, you lot are negative. Well, it's been a negative game. Yeah, what do you want yeah. us to do? Mm. I mean, so it's dealing with things like that. And it's been a little, little, little bit. What I found a bit, um, what I haven't liked, it's been a bit of a, a level of hate out there from certain media platforms and certain people that I think is completely unjustified. Um, but then when I look on it. I say, I have to just say to myself, it kind of goes with the territory. This is what happens when your thing becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. You know, people want to shoot you down. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just have to make sure that we stay focused and we stay doing what we're doing. Because when I look at the numbers, the numbers don't lie. People enjoy what we're doing. You know what I mean? We've got over a, a million followers on YouTube. We've got over a million followers on Facebook now. We're closing in on a million on Instagram. You know, the numbers we do are insane. Win, lose, or draw. Mm. Um, and it's just a matter of staying focused and just still providing what we do, that service where people can have a chance to have their say and, you know, just growing what we're doing and making it better and improving it every time and not getting distracted. Um by the noise sometimes because there's a lot of noise out there sometimes mm. from people that just want to just get up every morning and get on the keyboards and hate and you know I, I don't have time for that yeah yeah well said Robbie oh, I think that's something that even in Australia the, the journos here get smashed if they don't say this or that the umpires even get smashed mm. in Australia it's, it's pretty pretty bad um, I just want to say you know you got a lot of characters on the channel in terms of DT, Lyle, Trish. What are they like, you know, off camera? Because they're very animated when they're on. But what's it like when you're around them and, you know, doing doing their thing? Yeah, they're all different characters. Um, a lot of the people that have been on the channel over the years. And funny enough, it's changed. There's a lot of people who've now moved on. There's a lot of people who've gone on to do their own thing and, you know, to be honest, um, a lot of the guys off camera, I don't really, I'm not close, close with, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I, I, I see them at football. Um, we do our, you know, we do the interviews and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm, I, I'm, it's not that I'm not friendly with them, I am. Um, but they're just ordinary guys. They're just ordinary. All of them are just ordinary guys. They've all got their own character. They're all just uh, doing their own thing. And, you know, some of them have gone, I'm like, somebody like a Troops, for instance, who used to be on AFTV. He's not on the channel no more. He's gone um, on to do stuff in America. So he he was um, sort of asked by, well, not asked, he, he was approached by this channel in America. And they said, listen, we want you to come to America, live out here and do content regarding 
um, the Premier League and Arsenal in America and he's landed himself a really good job doing that over there so you know some of them have gone on to do really good things some of them have gone on to do their own channels and I'm always encouraged that you know I mean I'm, I'm, I've never been against uh, people doing their own thing you know um, so you know but yeah I think you know beyond the camera they're just like me and you everybody's just normal people with the same old problems and issues and the good and the bad and you know and, and that's what it is do you sometimes have to hold your um, laughter to the end if DT is having a huge rant about uh, Arsenal having a loss, or do you try and control it a bit? <laughs> Not normally, because normally if he's having a rant about Arsenal having a terrible performance, I'm hurting as well. See, that's the thing as well, yeah. is that with me, um, it's almost sometimes, and this is a weird thing, but it can be also sometimes like a little bit of therapy mm. that you're interviewing somebody just feeling the same way. I, I, might not, I may not express it in the same way as they do, but I'll be hurt. At the game at the weekend where we got beaten by Man City 5-0, I mean, I'm absolutely fuming yeah. inside. I'm fuming, I'm angry, and I'm disappointed and every emotion that those fans are going through I'm going through it as well because I woke up at you know five o'clock in the morning and drove all the way up up to Manchester to witness a really appalling performance by my team you know and I'm angry about it because you know we've lost our first three games but still keep my cool because I'm interviewing so far from laughter I'm actually feeling what these guys are feeling at the same time so um, yeah sometimes it's almost like you know I'm listening to people and I'm like at least there's somebody else who's feeling like how I'm feeling because right now I'm feeling terrible about this performance and I think that's the difference between when you've got like what we do like a fan channel where we are supporters of the club that's the difference between us and this say if you just had a um, a journalist or um, or a person who's just interviewing for they're not really emotionally attached because you know they're just doing a job for their TV company or whatever which is fair mm. enough um, but we're emotionally attached because we want to win mm. you know and it, it, when you when you have a bad loss it's, it, you're hurting you know what I mean you feel that pain not just that same day the next day the day after you know so um yeah, no, I feel the emotions of these fans. Do you think that football or soccer, as we like to call it here in Australia, do you think it has a passion that's bigger than any other sport you've seen around the world? Personally, I feel it does. Um, you know, I can only speak for football, but I just feel that, you know, the passion that I see in football, I've been to many other sporting events, as I told you earlier. Mm. I love various sports and I've been to, you know, I've been to so many different sporting events. Um, but I just feel that football is a bit different. You know what I mean? You're, you're so emotionally attached. Um, the fans are so... The tribalism of it and everything, I just think it makes it a bit different to other sports. You know, you feel, you know, for that whole 90 minutes, you feel everything. You, I mean, you, you, you feel the tension of absolutely every incident that's being played out. Whereas if you go to, I don't know, cricket... There's maybe it's the laid back nature of the game or that but it's lots of uh, breaks in between it and relaxation points and same if you know if you're watching tennis or whatever it's not the same but if you're watching football it's like very intense for the whole time um and I can't think of any other sport that's like comparable. And as I said, when you bring the sort of tribal nature of football into it, especially in this country, hmm. you know, you support your club and that's it. You don't, you yeah. know, there's there's other sports where I see people like they've got two teams and three teams and stuff like that. It don't work like that in football. It don't work like that. Well, not in England anyway. I mean, it's, the, you know, in Britain, you've got one team hmm. and that's your team and you support them you know, do or die, you that's your team, you know what I mean, through good and bad. So um, the emotions are different. You really feel emotionally attached to your football team. Yeah, I was going to say, what's it like going to a game in Australia with our sports? Um, we can kind of sit with opposition fans and all that, or does that happen in the UK? <laughs> or is it... No. No. 
Yeah, that, that, that don't work over here, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's all segregated over here. I mm. think um, if you mix the fans up, it, it, you'll have a, a lot of games. Emotions will be too high and you'll have a bit of a tear up. Um, you have to keep fans apart over here. Um, so when, for instance, at the weekend, uh, there were 4,000 travelling Arsenal fans that went up to uh, Manchester City for the mm. game and you're kept in a separate where you where you're seated is in a separate section to the I mean you're next to them but you're yeah, yeah. segregated away from them you know what I mean so um, and it helps you know you have great banter between the fans but you can't mix <laughs> that would be that would be carnage if you mix the fans up you know what I mean because emotions get so high um, yeah. And the last thing you want is a Man City fan next to you jumping up and down when you're already feeling bad as it is. You know what I mean? So, yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> it don't yeah. Work like that. Yes. Yes. Very, very interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little personal experience from my point of view. I've been to one soccer game myself in around the world, and I went to watch mm. Napoli play Cagliari at the Stadio Olimpico in, in 100,000 uh, Napoli supporters. And being the Australians we are, we just rock up with, you know, T-shirts or whatever on. I had a, I actually had a Thailand soccer shirt on, a fake Thailand shirt on. So they looked at me and went, what, what's with you with Thailand? Are you, are you playing for the Thailand national team? Um, and I remember rocking up and we're sitting and watching the game and the away fans come in, I think, 15 minutes before the match. There was only a handful of fans. But the abuse yeah. and the, what they copped, I just couldn't believe it. I just went, wow, this, I mean, yeah, this is well, crazy. Yeah, like, I've, I've been to Napoli, yeah. right? And I'm telling you, that is one crazy place, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a bit different, actually, over here in the UK because, like, in, like you said, in Italy, mm. they have very few away fans. Like you said, it'd be like yeah. a handful of away fans. Um, so it's different over here because um, every game, like Arsenal, for instance, a huge club, we could take like 10, 20, 30,000 fans away to mm. a game. Yeah. And we would if it weren't restricted. But for every game, there's like four or 5,000 travelling fans. And that's not just Arsenal, of all the teams mm. travelling. So that's a big difference between over here in England and that's the difference between the other leagues like say Spain uh, Germany France they don't really take many fans away to games I think the ones the two teams that do the two countries that do is Germany and England yeah. you'll see a lot of fans travelling um, but particularly here in the UK um, and I remember when we went to Napoli I was probably about 4,000 Arsenal fans there and you actually have to go down to the port um, you probably know that from Napoli so you have yeah, to go yeah. down to the port and down by that port area you have to pick up one of their designated coaches <laughs> right and these coaches they look like something out of like you know look you go to prison yeah. you know what I mean bars on the side of them and stuff like that we're like what's that what's all this about I just want to make my own way to the game yeah. and then uh, so why Italian guy is going to me he's going no you don't mate you want to go on one of those coaches trust me yeah. and then you jump on the coach there's like so there's a convoy of like you know, I don't know man 50 coaches and they're all driving in with a police escort and you're driving and it's like you're driving through Naples and the, the 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 police are you know out rider bikes and things like that. you're thinking what's this all about but then when you start to get near to the ground you see all their fans they're all lined up and they're giving you abuse and they're like if you, if you weren't on those coaches mate they would kill you right and then you get into the ground and you know you're kept separate and everything and then when the game finishes they then bust you back to the central, the centre of Naples, to that port, and then when you get off there, you then make your way home from there, and that's how hostile going to some places like you know grounds, particularly you know some of those grounds in in Europe. It did used to be like that in the UK, but it's not like that no more. I think you know, um, you know, they they really come down hard on hooliganism and stuff like that in this country. So you don't really find it like that as much. Mm. There's still the there's still the hostility. But it's different, and yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like for, as an Arsenal fan, the only really ground that's like still really, really hostile place to go to is like when we're playing Tottenham because mm. it's a it's a local rivalry. On the current season at the moment, um, what's your thoughts on the Gunners? They've just had a bit <clears> of a shocker of a start, and when do you and when do you think they'll return to some type of glory? Uh, <laughs> I think we're far off glory at the moment. Um, you know, I think it's been a terrible start to the season. 
I don't think you know. I, I, a lot of people have a, a real problem with the ownership of Arsenal. Um, the owners of the football club are Americans, American billionaires. But <clears throat> there's a sense of they don't really care about the club. And mm-hmm. see, this is again the dynamics. Well, I think a lot of um, sometimes some of these owners don't understand with fans in the start. It's not just about how much money you're going to spend because they've just had a transfer window and they spent 150 million pounds on players. Yeah, you know, and that's a lot of money. Hmm. But do you care about the club? That's more important, I feel, than the money you spend. Do you really care about Arsenal? And there's a sense with the ownership of the club that they don't really care about the club. Um, they're just in on there to make money. And there's been a lot of mismanagement um, over the years because they've been in charge of the club for quite a long time. And we've been in a steady decline. Now, how do we get back to where we want to be? I'm not too sure if we can do with this current ownership. Um, let's see if they can improve things. But at the moment... You know we're we're quite a way off the top. I mean, as I, as I speak, we're sitting bottom of the league, mm. which is absolutely incredible. I mean, it's only three games, but we've not been bottom of the league after three games since 1974. Oh, wow. So that tells you all you need to know about how bad things are at the moment. So we've got a manager managing the club at the moment who's under extreme pressure. He has to start winning games, or you know the fans are already sort of starting to talk about he should be sacked. So, you know, it's a tough time at the moment being an Arsenal fan, you know, because this is a huge club. It's one of the biggest football clubs in the world. Yeah. Um, I've been all around the world with, with, with Arsenal and the support is unbelievable, you know, unbelievable every single way they go. So it's a worldwide, you know, football club and it's where we are, the position we're in at the moment, it's just not acceptable to the fans and something needs to change really fast but we keep supporting our club it's our club you know we've got a saying you've got, you've got support him through thick and thin hmm. um, this is the thick right now very thick yes <laughs> yes I was going to say that there's a there's a certain club in Melbourne Australia that's it was been a similar position to Arsenal all year in under pressure coach was under pressure unfortunately he got sacked um, and the club's in a very similar position in terms of um, board members are moving changing and all that, so very similar, very similar situation to, to what Arsenal mm. at the moment, which makes it really comparable when we discuss the Aussie rules to the soccer conversation in terms mm. of ownership and that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and you know, if you're, you know, you you manage in a big club, it comes with a lot of responsibility, mm. and um, if you're not if you're not successful, you're gone. Your opinion and comment, do you think it's become more than more important than ever as well with with everything you've been doing? Is that is is that thing happened? Like oh, I see you've been, I see you've been on Sky's news, for example, and all that. That's that's big. Oh my personal opinion. Um yeah, yeah. you know, I mean I get asked to do um, a lot of stuff like that. I, I don't I, I just believe I always look at it and say it's my own personal opinion. I don't believe that my opinion is uh, any better than any other fan or any stronger. It's just my personal opinion. Mm doesn't mean you know it's right it's just what I believe you know what I mean this is what I my personal opinion um, and I think it's the beauty of football you know um, is that we can all watch the same game and we can have varying opinions on it my man in a match will be different to your man in a match you know mm-hmm. so I'm always very wary that it's my opinion I'm, I'm not trying to say that you know this is the opinion of Arsenal fans um, there may be some things that I say that might reflect what a lot of fans are feeling at the moment, but it's my opinion. Um, so I'm always wary of that because football has so many different opinions um, and you have to allow them all to be heard. In terms of um, uh, Arsenal, when do you think they'll make the trip back to Australia, mate? When do you think they'll come to the mighty MCG and play in front of 100,000? I think you know what I personally think that they were planning probably when I look at the cycles of how they've done their tours I really think that maybe it might have been it might have been like last season or this season you know like so at the end of this season when they'd be planning that because um, they haven't been to Australia now for a few years um, but with this COVID thing who knows yeah, you just yeah, don't know at yeah. the moment you don't know what's going to you know what's going to restrictions going to be like in Australia because you guys are very strict with it um, you know it's, it's just 
I'd love to go back to Australia because when I when I went to um, Australia, I really enjoyed my time there. You know, it's my first time I've been there. Um, it's a very long trip. Right? It took me about a week to get over it when I got back. But um, I really enjoyed it. I loved the enthusiasm of the fans. And I remember being in, because we played two games in Sydney at the same stadium. Both of them were sold out. And I remember people saying to me, oh, Melbourne. I met a lot of people from Melbourne because a lot of people travelled in for the game. And a lot of people were saying that, yeah, now Melbourne is a place that you should go to as well. You know what I mean? And I obviously from following, being a big cricket fan as well, I know about the MCG and stuff like that. So I hope that Arsenal are back there soon. Um, I, I get the feeling that maybe next year might, because this year what they tried to do is they were going to go to Florida in the summer. Yeah. But in the end, they ended up cancelling it because they got a few COVID cases. So it's still a lot of uncertainty. So whether things will be sufficiently calm down next year for a tour to go on I don't know I just get the feeling we still it's still maybe the following year before we see like a proper tour to somewhere like a like a Australia you know um what I admire about the fans down there <clears throat> is the times that you guys wake up yeah to watch a game I mean it's absolutely incredible when I speak to fans and they're like you know, chatting to a fan the other day, and then he goes, "Oh, it's a Sunday game," and then he goes, "Oh, I've got to go work." I had to. He goes, I'm, "No," he goes, "I'm on my break at work." <laughs> yeah. And that was sort of like after the game had finished. I'm like, "What time is it?" You know, what I, mean? I was like, forgetting. He like, you're almost like a day ahead. I'm like, if I do. <laughs> he goes, oh, "I'm on a break from work." I go, like, "What break from work? The game's just finished on a Sunday. Like, you know, it's like eight o'clock on a Sunday, right?" So yeah, it's incredible, incredible Australia. That's just like, that is a far, far place though. <laughs> I remember right when we was going to Australia. Yeah. And um, you know when you're on the plane and you they they do that they have they have those little map things that show yeah, you yeah. where you are. And um I remember um one of one of our guys said, Oh Robbie, look, we've got here now because the plane was showing that we just got into Australia. Yeah. And then I looked at the like time left for arrival, it was still about four hours. Yeah. Four hours away. He goes, yeah, but we look, the things say we're in Australia, but the country's so vast. Yeah. You know, it's incredible. But a lovely country, though, and I'd definitely love to be back. Love to come back out there. Yeah, I'd love to see you down in Melbourne, Robbie, especially around the MCG. It'd be great to see. Um, just some final um, final questions just to finish off. My uh, dad, who did live in London during the 90s and saw Blackburn Rovers win the league, is how far back oh, it yeah. was. One far back it was, bro. I remember that. With uh, the legendary Alan Shearer up front, um, the, SA, the, the SAS Shearer and Sutton. Yes, yes. And, and do you think they'll make a return back to the Premier League anytime soon, or is it the same old, same old? Well, is a Blackburn? Is he a Blackburn supporter? Is he? Yes, he's a Blackburn supporter. Oh, uh, they're kind of miles off at the moment. I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, I remember that when I was uh, when I was you know growing up, man, Blackburn at that time. They they had a great team, like, like you said, Alan Shearer, Chris Sutton, you know, um, Tim Sherwood. Yeah, he went with Tottenham, but he used to play because he, he he used to be. I think he was a captain of Blackburn at that time, and he was good friends with my um, with my cousin because my cousin used to play with him. I think when they was at Watford. Yeah, right. So, um, but yeah, Blackburn had a they had a unbelievable team, but. Yeah, over the years they've declined. Um, they're, I think they're in the championship now. Mm. Really, yeah, they're struggling at the moment. The way football's changed, it's really difficult if you drop off to get back because football's changed so much now. I, I, it went when when Blackburn won the league, they had a, a, a very rich owner of the club I've forgotten his name now but he was a very rich owner of the club and he was the one who managed to get Alan Shearer and Chris Sutton all these players and you know because Blackburn's, Blackburn's not a huge town it's yeah. quite a small um, town and it was kind of he used his personal wealth to get these players in and they won the league and they were you know they were a great team for, um, for, for quite a few years but when he passed away yeah they've not been able to get the same level of ownership in and football nowadays, you know, I mean, I think he was probably a multi-millionaire. Now these clubs are being run by billionaires. Mm. You've got countries you've got countries running football team. Yeah. I mean, Man City is basically run by Qatar. Yeah, yeah. You know, 
You know, um, the same with like you saw PSG, um, they turned down a bid for nearly two hundred million pounds oh, for Kylian Mbappe when he's only got one year left on his contract. That means come January he can go and sign a pre agreement with that same club and leave in the summer of next year for nothing. Yeah. Now yeah. ordinarily absolutely no club could refuse that money. Wow. It's, it doesn't make no sense. Yeah. But they've got so much money, PSG, that they're able to just stick their fingers up at um, Real Madrid and say, you know what? Who do you not think you are? And they come and bully us for our best player. We don't need your money. We keep him for a year. You can have him for nothing next year. So the money that's being thrown around in football nowadays, you know, some of the deals that have just been done in the transfer market, mm. Arsenal just spent £150 million. Pounds. Wow. And we're still a lot of fans saying we didn't spend enough. There's more players to get, you know what I mean? The wages of players like Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, I think they said the wages of Cristiano Ronaldo, Jaden Sancho and Rafa Viran, who's the three new players at Manchester United have just signed. Yeah. Their free wages, free players, the free those three players, their wages combined are more than 13 of the other clubs in the Premier League. There's 20 clubs. More than every single wage of every single player in those teams. Holy so, they, so the level of money that's in football nowadays, it just makes it impossible for a club like a Blackburn to come back to that level unless they've get, got big backers and big owners. And in, that, in those days, in the 90s, when they were winning things, they had, they had the big owners. Yeah. I love your insights on that, Robbie, because in Australia, with us, AFL clubs, Aussie rules clubs, even the soccer clubs in Australia, the competitions, they're salary caps. So there's none of this massive ownership of of, of people, for example. So we don't have a yeah. don't have a Venky type system, or you know, for example, Cronkite yeah. who owns Arsenal. So I, don't. Yeah, I, 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 and I agree. With yeah. the, um, I, I, I agree with the salary caps. I think something needs to be done because at the moment in football. It's money just buys everything, you know mm. what I mean? So a team like Chelsea, when I was growing up, they were no bigger than Blackburn. But yeah, now, yeah. because of the spending power of Roman Abramovich, you know, they can just buy their way to success. And it's what we're seeing now, you know what I mean? Um, the team that spent more money than any other team um, over the last 10 years is Manchester City. Yeah, And you've just seen them come from nowhere winning everything they've won the league in this country three out of the last four years um, it's been the league has been won in this country for about the last ten years I think by either Manchester City or Chelsea and you had like Leicester with a little one-off in the middle but that you know what I mean it mm. doesn't it's money buys money I, I just feel that it's you know there needs to be something done to level the playing field a bit more because what happens is even if you're a smaller club and you have a great season so we've seen it in France with uh, Lille mm-hmm. they won the league last season in France go and look at their team now yeah. literally every player that helped them to win the league last season is gone they lost their manager mm-hmm. they lost and they've lost practically all their best players they've all gone and now they're just a regular team again Where so they've not been allowed to build on that success um, because of money mm-hmm. so I think that football is a very unfair thing and it's too money driven but the problem is is that the money's here now yeah, yeah. and how do you how do you stop it because when you know the, the leagues are making loads of money TV's making yeah. loads of money so yeah. nobody wants to change it no you know they all know it needs changing but none of them want to change it because they, you know, it, it suits them, and, that, and that's why you tried to. You even got the, the level of greed got to so much that you had these teams trying to break off and do super leagues and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And it wasn't until there was literally like a rebellion of the fans up here, yeah, about it that you know they changed, they backtracked and changed their mind. And oh, we're sorry, we've heard you, but they're not sorry. Yeah, yeah. they're not sorry at all. They'll try again in the future to try and bring in a similar thing and a similar guys. But it's all about it's too much about making money. I, I think you know. Listen, obviously, you run a football club, you want to make money. You're a football player. You deserve to make money because you're the people that we're watching. There's nothing wrong with them making a load of money, but I just want to see a fairer system that allows, you know, allows a Blackburn to come back. Yeah. At the moment, Blackburn 
as things stand, unless they get a billionaire owner, <laughs> no chance. Yeah, is what I'd yeah. say. Absolutely no chance of them coming back up into the Premier League and doing anything. Yeah, and, and it's really interesting, Robbie. I'm I'm really loving this chat about you know the, the way uh, soccer and football uh, in, in the UK is different to how we roll in Australia with our sport and salary caps and money and that. What's your take of the? Situation in Australia Have you noticed Do you guys notice Our system of how we play it Or do you guys Not really follow the A-League As we As we kind of put it out The A-League They showed um, I know last season They were showing the A-League Over here mm-hmm. um, So they showed it in England I know One thing I noticed With the A-League Is that The same people Who own Man City They own They own teams over there as well Because yes, they win yes. the same kit And everything they got a team in Australia they got a team in New York they got a, You know So um, I follow it a bit um, I can't say I follow it deeply But I do you know, I think Melbourne have got a good football team Yeah um, So I follow You know I, mean, I like to watch all football But I wouldn't say I follow it deeply um, But I'd still say that That system is better Than the system that we currently have over here in European football where as I said the people who have the most money will win things mm-hmm. because money money most definitely can buy success you know you can't get Cristiano Ronaldo Messi and that without the money mm-hmm. um, so if you've got the money you can get those guys you know if the circumstances are right so and, and Robbie in the future mate what's the, what's in terms of AFTV and yourself are we going to be seeing you on a channel in sometime soon on Sky Sports or one of them or are we going to be stick to YouTube uh, not Sky Sports I mean listen I, uh, my, I, I enjoy doing my stuff um, started a new channel called Don Robbie which is a general football channel um, which is doing really really well at the moment and um, I've got great ambitions for that channel um, that is a channel of um, which brings all football together. The whole of the Premier League, the whole. We did some great stuff around the Euros, um, so I'm working very hard on that as well as AFTV. Um, I've got uh, you know doing some TV, some TV stuff planned. Uh, I did a documentary on TV um, just for the lockdown. It went really really well. I've got plans to do some more um, with my sort of production company, and also um, planning a. T- planning a trip at the moment to do something over in Africa with uh, football over there so it's got lots of plans for the future really really there's really really busy times ahead Sky Sports and BBC and that stuff is great but I, I enjoy doing my thing mm-hmm. you know, I think what we've done here is we've built you know a, a media company as well that's you know is uh, on the rise and I want to keep building and doing that well, Robbie, it's been awesome chatting to you, mate. I've really pleasured your time. Just the final question. Um, if you had to give advice to anyone, what would you say to them on life advice? What, what would you tell them? Stay healthy, as we've seen over the last year. You know what I mean? Uh, health is wealth. You know, um, also, you know, enjoy your life. Enjoy your life and, you know, chase your dreams, man. You know what I mean? If you've got a dream, um, if you've got something that you really want to do, do it. You know, don't let people um, tell you that you can't do stuff because I, I, I've had that before where I've had ideas and I've had dreams and people have kind of talked me out of it. You know, not not in a bad way. They're not talking out. They're not talking you out of it because they don't love you and stuff like that. But they're talking out of, out of it because they feel it's not achievable. But anything is achievable if you really, really want it. You're going to have to put a lot of work in. It's going to be ups and downs, but you can achieve. So my thing is chase your dreams, enjoy your life, you know, stay healthy and treat people with respect. Treat people with respect. You know, Um, I think one of the things that I think I hope that we're going to come out of this COVID thing learning is that everybody's the same. Mm. COVID COVID, um, just show no form of discrimination. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Whether it be you, me, Old, young, black, white, you know, it gets you, right? If you, I mean, if it can latch onto you, it gets you. Mm. And I think people need to learn the lesson from that, that, you know, we're all the same people. And the only way to, say, defeat a COVID is we have to come together to defeat it. So that's the lesson that we all have to learn. 
Well, Robbie, that's a great message, and I'll be really taking that on. Uh, mate, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. I know you've got an extremely busy schedule with everything going on, and I'll be keeping an eye on Arsenal Football Club. Hopefully, the success can come up soon. But it's been oh, ab- please. Please, we'll do that. Um, but, <laughs> Robbie, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the Pay Talks podcast, mate. Been Thank really you very great. much. Take care, mate. Thank you. Well, that's the end of this episode for this week on the Paytors Podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to my chat with Robbie Lyle, the Don, as he's known. So that's all for this week, but make sure to check out everything on the Paytors Podcast on the Facebook, Twitter, and on Spotify and Simplecast. Goodbye for now.